Hey there, welcome to the Attractive Christians podcast, where we make Christianity a little less repulsive and a little more attractive and beautiful. I'm Annie, one of the producers. This week, the guys have special guest Matt Larson in the studio, and they talk about a recent revelation from actor Russell Brand, and they share their experiences with the charismatic side of Christianity. If you love the podcast, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you like to listen. Leave us a review and reach out to us on all the socials or send us a Gmail. Let us know what you think about today's topics. I don't I'm a tinkering tinkler. All right, and we're back. Welcome to Attractive Christians. I'm Ethan Renault. I'm Tucker Lamping, and we've got a special person in with us today. Hi, you guys. My name is Matt Larson. I am the youth director currently at West Bowles Community Church, which is just right next door. I am 28 years old. I'm really into pickleball and spike ball and all other fringe sports, I call them. <laughs> the ones that aren't on TV. Oh. So that's awesome. Yeah. Anything else that I Yeah. What's you uh, What's your favorite movie? Oh, mm. that's important. I have two favorite movies. And can you spoil it for us? <laughs> Yes. We <laughs> no, recently, don't. We recently got some feedback that we were spoiling movies. On last week's episode. Last week, we did like talk about three minutes straight oh, wow. on like spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> we spoiled like five movies in a row. <laughs> Maybe more. But uh, feel I'll, free to spoil it, but we'll put the disclaimer in there. So my two favorite movies are the first Avengers movie and Hot Rod. Oh, Those are my two favorites. They're like the same genre. They really are. Yeah. Um, let's see. How can I spoil this? In Hot Rod, <laughs> he crashes. If you haven't seen Hot Rod, like, what have you been doing with your life? Yeah, seriously. Or <laughs> Avengers, really. My yeah. favorite part is when he's saying goodnight to Denise, but I can't say it on here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the line I always quote is when he's like, babe, babe, come back. Babe, babe, wait. It's Will Arnett's character. Yeah. Babe. Or like the, I'm, I'm Rod and I like to party. Oh, yeah. And, like, everybody decides they like to party. <laughs> I could quote, like, half that movie. Yeah. It's so good. It is That's a, a good, good one. Movie. I like it. We're just dropping quotes, and it's his favorite movie. It's a quotable one. <laughs> it's a good quote movie. Dude, right on. Well, we're stoked to have Matt yeah. on. Thanks. Um, we're going to have a pretty cool talk today. Uh, before we forget, we also have Krista in the studio with us filming. Say what's up, Krista. And we got the huge shout-out to Annie and Mark for editing. We honestly couldn't do it without them. And Super I helpful. mailed Annie's stickers today. Annie, you should be getting <laughs> new stickers because mine somehow got lost in the mail. Yeah. Big shout out U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> also, um, shout out to Jules, who would have filmed today. And she was literally in this room five minutes ago, but left because she was feeling sick. That's a And I swear to Buddha, if I get sick, I'm throwing a tantrum. Mm, yeah, you swear on Buddha's name. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> should we uh, recommend some stuff to the people? Is that all we had for doors open? Were we in the middle of t saying something else? I think we covered everything. Yeah, we covered everything big. Is there anything else you want to say about yourself, yeah. Matt, as a human being? Are you married? Do you have a girl? I do not. So I'm that means right now. that Matt needs a girl. And he's an attractive Christian, so... Mm. We're always looking to hook our boys up on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> will you guys, I think I've heard it from a podcast before, but will you define attractive Christian for Ooh. me and why you call yourselves yeah. the attractive Christians podcast? Oh, yeah. 
We you want it? To. Go, go ahead, Tucker. Yeah. You want it? Yeah, I can start it off. Um, so the big idea is it's a little cheeky because, you know, right. like people hear it and they're like, oh, yeah, they think they're good looking guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, Which besides the point. right? <laughs> <laughs> but the big idea um, and we, we try to kind of, uh, you know, reinforce this every now and then. But um, I think so often Christianity and like there's uh, with the just you know, that term, there's a lot of baggage to people, uh, especially people that have had bad experiences with Christians or mm-hmm. the church. And so it almost like becomes repulsive to people just to hear like Christianity, right. Mm-hmm. Or Christians like, Oh, they're Christians. And people are like, Oh yeah, of course they're Christians. So the big idea is what does it look like for us as Christians to be attractive to people in the world? What's you know, refreshing to people that have mm. heard it a thousand times again and again, but have this kind of general distaste for what's going on mm-hmm. with Christianity. Right. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think a more accurate title for this podcast would just be attractive Christianity. <laughs> but of course we got to be a little, a little edgy with it. <laughs> so, but genuinely not in a physical way whatsoever. I think all Christians should be attractive Yes. I mean, that's what we do every time we have an event that we want students to come to or we have mm. we, uh, a drive or we are like, oh, we're going to throw this big event in the park and we hope 200 new people show up. What are you doing? You're trying to attract people mm-hmm. to your church or to your event, to your gathering. And I think as individuals as well, we can also try harder to be attractive Christians in the most foundational sense of that term, attractive. Mm-hmm. Draw, so one who draws other people to themselves, like a yeah. magnet attracts and not for your own glory, but to bring them to God. Well, until I get married, you know, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that covers, you know, kind of the big idea there. And and not to say that we'll ever be perfect on here, but, you know, bringing people on that can highlight other areas and like things mm-hmm. that they're doing and just have good conversations about that. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Now should we do some recs? Run, 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 recs. Okay, Tucker, you can go first. No, no, you guys go first, seriously. But do you have one? I had one right before we started in that lost. And you it. forgot it? I literally forgot you it. You forgot your wreck? Yeah, I did. Did you what not? Was <laughs> what was mine? <laughs> Matt, you can go first. I'll start with a pretty easy one so you guys can think of one. But I'm going to recommend Dr. Pepper. Oh, my goodness. It has 23 flavors, and this is true. You can look it up online and read all 23 flavors Mm. that are in Dr. Pepper. Wait, for real? Is one of them medicine? Because that's all I taste when I drink Dr. Pepper. No, No, but there's a lot of, like, medicine-y type tastes, Mm. like cherry or licorice or, you know, the flavors they use to enhance medicine so it doesn't taste like medicine. Hmm. But the mixture is top-notch. So I recommend Dr. Pepper. A couple weeks ago, oh, this, I shouldn't say this. Another thing that's great about Dr. Pepper <laughs> is the diet Dr. Pepper is actually pretty good. It doesn't like taste disgusting. It doesn't taste wildly different it doesn't than taste regular. Diet. Really. Oh. You can taste the diet, but the difference between Coke and Diet Coke is really big. True. It's pretty massive. Dr. Pepper, it's not the same. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. Because they have so many flavors to just cover up the aspartame. <laughs> this is true. To cover up the actual medicine. Uh, yeah. Are you saying Dr. Pepper is good for you? No. They used to say it was. <laughs> that was like a thing. It was like a like doctor. Well, yeah. It was like Coke. It. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, maybe it, maybe it was actually good for you. I'd have to yeah. do more research. 
Maybe like it used to be good for you. Yeah. Back when they had cocaine in there. <laughs> <laughs> back in the de- back in the glory days. <laughs> the, <laughs> back when coke really was something. The heydays. <laughs> Unreal. Um, okay, you go, and I'll still think. <laughs> no, I was still thinking of what mine was. What the heck? <laughs> okay, I'll go. Um, mine. Um, this is kind of a weird one. You know how I've had Crumb Hill. I had that as my rec a couple of weeks ago, the Instagram account mm-hmm. I run called Crumb Hill, where I basically make AI images and they're creepy and weird and old school and whatever. Mm-hmm. I make them on Mid Journey, Mid Journey, which is kind of a funny name, I think, you know, considering Gen Z language, it's like calling my journey mid. It's like, mm. oh, that doesn't sound like a good journey. Sounds kind of mid. Anyway. They just upgraded to version six of Mid Journey, which has improved tongues and fingers. Wow! On humans okay. as the AI. Yeah, have you ever seen the AI pictures? I guess you've made them where they have like weird, distorted hands. Oh, like every single one. But if, if you compare you like seen this stuff, uh, if you compare like version three hands to version five, even which is what I've been using most That's of the time. That's crazy. It, they got a lot better. It's like it used better. to just be like the fingers were just like so weird because computers didn't know how to draw hands. Yeah. You know, it compiles all these images uh, from all across millions of images of people and hands. And the way it does it is it kind of goes pixel by pixel and says yes or no. Like, mm. yes, this looks like it should look based on the parameters or no. And some, But if you go pixel by pixel around a whole picture, sometimes things don't turn out like – natural like realistically yeah how they normally look anyway they fixed some of that with version six and apparently tongues have looked a lot different in version six i read an article about it but i've loved using mid-journey the last two months mm. for all my creative things so shout out mid-journey I, yeah. I know a lot of people don't like ai art they're like eh, it's like ripping off real artists and it's like well they probably said the same thing about the internet or yeah. about Film cameras back in the 1800s. They're like, this is ripping off artists who could just paint this magical landscape. They could paint this. Now you can just do it with a push of the button. It's like, you know, like, I don't know. We're like EDM music. Oh. Yeah, yeah. you can resist technology or get left behind. Or like rap music where they use like samples of old songs that Mm -hmm. are really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is some interesting stuff. Yeah, I showed my Hill. I'm looking at Crumb Hill right now. Oh, mine. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's basically Ethan's um, world around like a fictional location from one of your books, right? Like when I close my eyes, that's what I see. <laughs> oh heavens! Okay, <laughs> this looks like the kind of monsters I fight in board games. I will say, in board games. It's honestly yeah, like, nightmare fuel. Like, nice. It literally is nightmare fuel. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And it's so funny. Oh, um, but. So uh, nice. I don't know. I, I lost my rec. I had a really good one that came to me before we started recording, but I will just uh, recommend standing desks in the meantime. <laughs> Have you seen these things, bro? How did you forget you know the, your rec? <laughs> Dude, it's so gone. I like had it and it's just gone. But um, <laughs> you know, you know about the standing desks? Just in general, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a desk, like a desk oh, that you those can desks like... that have been around for a decade or more. <laughs> a desk that's a higher height than a normal desk. Well, you can adjust the height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna lie though. It has been a life changing thing to use a standing desk. Mm. It's so nice. Like if you work a desk job or an office job at all, and you just like raise that desk, you can stand half of your day. It's great. Mm-hmm. Or um. There's some cheaper kinds you can just like crank. There's like a little crank on it, but that's kind of the old school way, like the more of like a workbench style. 
Okay, good wreck. <laughs> that is a good wreck. I used a standing desk after I got in a car accident, and my back was really messed Dang, up. Dang, really? And the standing desk made an eight-hour workday possible for the mm. first couple weeks after yeah. the accident. Yeah. yeah. It's actually, like, awesome. And this is the first week that all three wrecks have not been any form of media. I was kind of trying to steer clear of media this week anyway. Oh. Yeah. On purpose. Well, that's because I could just like pull a movie out of my butt and be like, <laughs> yeah, I watched this movie the other night. And it well, was I was trying to, I haven't watched any TV or movies or really listened to any new music or podcasts in like at least a week or two. Oh, dang. You've been that busy. I've been busy. And yeah, I mean, I did watch uh, like the first two episodes of Yellowstone and I'm still <laughs> ambivalent about it. So I'm not sure which way I'll go on that. Here's my little rant about Yellowstone. Uh-oh. I like I liked it a lot. Did you watch all of it? The aesthetic is pretty fun. It's um, really well made. I wa- yeah, it's really well done. It's Taylor um, Sheridan. It? I have not. Okay, he makes so good stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say there are aspects of it that are just like so unbelievable that like you just can't buy into it as well. Hmm. Like the amount of people that get killed. Oh, like and they just get just away like with crazy it. Crazy action that happens, but oh. never gets followed up on. Huh. Yeah, like people get killed, and then there's like no real like follow up on it. The person's just dead. Like there's oh. no there's no like detective that finds a body, and then there's an actual drama behind them. Well, in the first like, two episodes, um, running away from. That. I don't want to spoil the first two episodes. Yeah, I'm not trying to ruin it for Matt. But- <laughs> if you haven't no, seen that's it okay. yet, I mean, I have similar thoughts about just regular, you know, yeah. dramas. I mean, to be honest, that's most movies and shows. Yeah, true. You know, like. In the Avengers, for example, they're smashing skyscrapers. And I will say though, of the Yellowstone things, the eighteen eighty seven or something is eighteen eighty three was probably like better story wise or more believable story wise. That's than what Yellowstone was. Okay, so the reason, okay, maybe there's a spinoff wreck. <laughs> um, the reason I started watching it is because Joe Rogan had Taylor Sheridan on his podcast. The cowboy on, dude. So Taylor, no, Taylor Sheridan is the writer of Yellowstone, 1883, Wind River, the movie mm-hmm. with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Uh, he's written a bunch of good stuff. Did He may have done Sicario. I don't remember. Did he? He's done, like, all of his movies are really gritty, mm. hardcore, realistic, like, and in that episode, Joe Rogan says 1883 was one of the best things he's ever watched. Ever. Yeah, it was a fun show. So, so there's a wreck that I've never seen <laughs> via Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are going to watch Yellowstone, I would say watch 1883. It was it was more enjoyable. Than, really? Than Red. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was better. Okay. Also, Yellowstone is my roommate watches it, oh, and it's one okay. of the only shows or movies that he has told me accurately represents the firearms used in that era. 1883 Yellowstone. He will pick apart any movie that has Ooh. guns in it and or Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He'll pick apart any movie that has guns in it and mm. he was impressed with the information. Well, in yeah, the, yeah. Ta- Taylor Sheridan is a research guy. Sure. Like yeah. he does his homework. Well, cuz even um uh Wind River, have you seen that one? Mm-mm. It's kind of it's kind of dark. It's, it's a heavy sad. movie. It's a sad um, one. But uh even in that one like the firearms stuff is all very accurate mm-hmm. and like just yeah, you can tell he's done a lot of research on like the area. Well, um, and Sicario is about the Mexican border and the drug cartels. Mm-hmm. And and Chris had just looked it up. I was right that he wrote that cuz oh, it's, wow. it's all about like the cartels and the u.s government trying to shut them down and fight them and stop and it's just Mm. like if you haven't seen sicario okay that's another wreck that is a good movie directed by denny villeneuve 
We, we've covered Sicario on here before, yeah, a couple no, times. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it always comes up because it's like one of those movies. Krista, Krista like, said no. Krista has the memory of an elephant. I don't elephant. think you were here on that night, Krista, but it was when we were talking to um, Kevin. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's Denny Villeneuve, who's one of the best directors, Dune and Arrival mm. and Prisoners, plus Taylor Sheridan, who's a really great writer with a lot of research, homework, mm-hmm. all that Very stuff. cool. Yeah. Anyway, look at that. We we, we came up we with some wrecks. We actually got to some wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> Standing desks. Actually, this show's really good. We always end up in media, though. But yeah, now if you ever, if you ever want to watch something good, I think I think the 1883 was really good. And Wind River. It's a good movie. Yeah. It was pretty heavy. Okay. Mm. So with that... I guess I guess that wraps up Rex. Those are pretty simple. <laughs> you got some headlines for us? Headlines. I do have a headliner for you, Ethan and Matt. All right, lay it on do us. You guys know who Russell Brand is? I sure do. Yes. So I saw this video this week of Russell Brand talking about Christ and Christianity as like something that he needs. He's wow. talked about that before a lot. He's talked about it, but he's never been like as overt as I feel like he was really? in this video recently. Yeah, so I have the video pulled up. I was just going to play the audio for it, and then we can talk a little bit about what you guys think okay. on the matter. Ethan, you might have seen it already. I have not. Did you watch it? Oh, okay. I sent it to you when I saw it, actually. But, um, yeah, we'll just listen to it real quick. Hold your laptop up to it. The reason I wear a cross is because Christianity, and in particular the figure of Christ, are, it seems to me, inevitably becoming more important as I become more familiar with suffering, purpose, self, and not self. Reading the Bible a lot more, and as I've told you before, I'm reading Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. When I grew up, Christianity seemed like it was either really irrelevant and old-fashioned and sort of dusty and sort of incense and sort of... (laughs) Or they tried to modernise it, and it seems just like... Right, okay, we're going to talk about Jesus. And, like, both of those routes seem like, oh, I don't know if there's anything for me. And I suppose it takes a certain amount of adulthood, and it might be different for all of us. For me, it seems that it's taken quite a lot to recognise that you need, I need, a personal relationship with God. It occurred to me that if instead of always talking to myself inwardly, I could replace one of those voices with an indwelling God. It says in Galatians, it is our job to die so that as Christ died on the cross, he might be reborn in us. I'm very interested to hear what you think, because for me, my heart is open. Let me know what you think in the comments. And- wow. Who, who was he talking with? That was literally just him doing something on his own. Oh, like, um, his, own, was like it his own podcast? It might have been on his podcast. It's just a video of him sitting in like a yoga studio. <laughs> <laughs> By himself? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he posted on X. That's why I saw it. And it sounds he, like he's um, talking to someone, but... He's just talking in the video. Okay. Really. Yeah. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that, Matt. I would say those words that he used are pretty unmistakable. Talking about being reborn with Christ... I don't know exactly where in Galatians he's referring to, but 
Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ and the life I live. I no longer live in the flesh, but through the son of God who gave himself for me. Mm. That's a little bit butchered, but (laughs) you're good. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then he's talking as well about suffering, Mm -hmm. which is a key piece to receiving the good news, receiving the gospel and believing that Christ is your savior is understanding that you need it and that you are suffering and that you will be suffering without him. So, Mm. Ethan, what are you thinking? (laughs) I think, um, it's super cool. It, it, you're right. It it is deeper than what I've heard him say before, Mm -hmm. because before when I've heard him talk about Christianity or the Bible, like he was on Jordan Peterson's podcast a year or two ago, maybe it was Jordan, his daughter, Michaela and Russell Brand. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they, they got into some Christianity, but it seemed like Russell was at the time kind of, uh, I'll pull some from Christianity. I'll pull some from Buddhism. I'll pull some from Hinduism. It's like that mountaintop from, philosophy, right? Well, more like um, like last week you talked about partialism or mm. like conglomerating all these different belief systems into one thing that works for you. And, and to some degree, and this might be taking us down a little rabbit hole, I think that Christians should pull from Buddhism and from Hinduism and from whatever, because I think that there's good things to find in Buddhism. That doesn't mean that all of Buddhism is true. It just means that there are some things that are true that they believe. And if it is true, then it's God's truth. And therefore we should also believe it and be benefited by it. Right? Like Mm -hmm. for, for example, Mm -hmm. meditating and centering yourself and being still in order to be in the present moment. Is that not a Christian, quote unquote, thing, mm-hmm. right? It is a spiritual discipline. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And maybe they have a way of wording it that we are less familiar with, so it'll hit us harder, mm-hmm. in it, which is beneficial for us, right? But that is different than saying, oh, I'm just going to pull a little bit from Christianity, pull a little bit from Buddhism, and it's my own, quote unquote, spirituality, which is this vague conglomeration of 18 different belief systems <laughs> from around the mm. world. Um, I think that's because at the end of the day, I say I'm a Christian who might borrow wisdom from Buddhism or from the mathematic advances made by Islamic mathematicians or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So so I felt like Brand in the past was doing that where he was like like borrowing from a whole bunch of different belief systems, including Christianity. Yeah. Whereas in what you just played, it sounds like. He's like, dang, like the Holy Spirit, he said indwelling. Yeah, he said an indwelling God. Yeah. Which was like pretty sweet. Like That's pretty like core foundational yeah. doctrine. Like you learn about that mm-hmm. once you're a Christian. Right. And it, I liked how he started off. He was like, as I've gotten older, I, what, I forget, what did he say? He said, um, as I've gotten older, it's like I've kind of actually grown in, toward Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's this, I don't mean, to, <laughs> this might sound pejorative, but like, a lot of people's approach to Christianity is, oh, either it's just some sky god that you believe in, you idiots, or it's repressive and uh, outdated and regressive. And mm-hmm. and they just have all these negative takes. And it's like you have not done any homework whatsoever to actually understand anything <laughs> what what Christianity <laughs> is actually about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like to their defense, they, they may have had really bad experiences with a church, with a repressive pastor, with – Maybe even repressive parents, like, you have to cover yourself head to toe, dress modestly. And, you know, you grew up in that stifling Mm -hmm. household, so you rebel against it. Sure. But Christianity itself, it often doesn't get a fair treatment by most 
people in our culture today. Mm. You think that's fair mm-hmm. yeah. to say? Yeah, totally. It's like it's dismissed. Oh, it's this, it's outdated. It's ancient. It's whatever without actually giving it a fair thing. So it sounds like what he's saying is he's gone through that phase of, oh, it's either hoity-toity monks chanting or it's um, – Yeah, he did the little monks chanting. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, no, Domino. What's the, what was the second example he gave? Um, kind of like the – oh, gosh. Well, I think just like the kind of boring like – yeah, or like Ned like Drab. It, who's the pastor in The Simpsons? Who's always no. <laughs> the caricature? I can't remember his name, but the the Reverend. Yeah, he's like the caricature of Christians for a lot of people. And he like, like kind of has that melo- or monotone, like mm-hmm. just we boring are here right now. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's boring and he's out of touch with re- with culture and all this stuff. And so it's cool that Brand is is reading the Bible itself mm-hmm. and not just going off of here's my impression of Trump voters, you know, who are evangelicals, right? It's like yeah. going to the source material, like looking at what Christians actually believe, which is the Bible, and taking it seriously. Yeah. And and so it's really cool that he's had this progression from Christianity as one of his beliefs to seeming like he's taking it really seriously as its own, potentially his own belief. Mm-hmm. Making it his own. So yeah. that's really cool. He's not seeking after ideology, but he actually cares about ideas. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's done his research. Mm-hmm. He seems like that type of guy anyway, because I've I've watched some of his like podcasts and he's like a really deep thinker. He's so smart. He's a very intelligent guy. But I remember like what was that movie where he's kind of mocking God or he played like the, the person God, uh, you know, and the character was kind of weird and um, I think even at that time he would make like jokes about, you know, Christianity in general. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think I remember him being like just more like outspokenly like anti-Christian in a, in a sense. But I find it like really funny that these kind of high, I don't want to say high like value people, but like <laughs> what, what, what would you say? Like, you know, celebrities famous. and famous people are all kind of like um, coming to Christianity like in their own ways. You know, we've got like so many examples now uh we talked about if did you see the kat von d thing um she was the um la inc so like if that if you remember that show she was big on there um she's got a massive following you guys are far seasoned no far more seasoned movie watchers (laughs) no this is just like show uh, watchers than i am i don't think i really watched la inc much but like maybe i saw it when it came on just tattoo artists yeah it was like a tlc show or something she was okay she was like very goth style yeah. but in the truest sense there's like death things like, yeah. uh, like pentagrams upside down mm-hmm. crosses that whole she tattooed her eyes that was her vibe or no maybe she didn't mm. do that but I don't think I think she wears like uh, and I mean she still has that vibe which I think is great yeah um, but now she's a Christian so it's like she like blacked out her arms like the tattoos on her arms to like cover the satanic ones and then got baptized oh, wow. and yeah really cool like kind of moment where people are seeing somebody in that culture come to Christ um, same with Shia LaBeouf now Shia LaBeouf. By playing this Catholic priest, Father uh, Padre Pio, mm-hmm. in that movie, he, which apparently was not a good movie. Oh, it but sucked. I watched it. It's so, it's, <laughs> it's so abstract and not good. <laughs> so he found Christ through a character that he played? Yeah. Wow. And this is the second time he sense. played a really strong Christian, because in the movie Fury, did you see that? Where they're in the oh, tank yeah, yeah. with Brad Pitt? That's a good one. He plays nope, a really okay. strong Christian <laughs> soldier in World War II. Mm-hmm. And, um, He's like always got a Bible with him and stuff. Well, he had this famous quote that blew up. He said, I became a Christian man. And so everyone's like, oh, he's a Christian now. And it's like he meant he was saying for the character, I became 
a Christian man like to play this character. And I think now playing Padre Pio, he actually he went and got confirmed and baptized in the Catholic Church. And he's mm-hmm. been doing interviews with uh, what's his name? The father, Bishop Barron. Bishop Barron, yeah. Bishop Robert Barron. He's a really cool guy, Bishop Barron. Mm-hmm. So that the fact that he and Shia LaBeouf are having these deep conversations about Christian theology is super cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's like one of those things where it doesn't feel like the Kanye, I'm a Christian now, but then he's doing all these other things that are not yeah. Christian, like, or inherently, you know, benefiting his faith. Yeah. He's like actually, yeah, talking with I have Father no Baron. idea what to make of Kanye um, West, though. To yeah, be I have no idea either. I'm not going to like throw shade on Kanye. I don't think he does either. But he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, who else? I mean, there's like Justin Bieber was a big one, like a high profile, you know, I think Christian I respect conversion. him. He said um, publicly, he said that. You know, he was sleeping with tons of girls before he got married. Mm-hmm. And then he said when he was dating his now wife, yeah. Haley, they like didn't sleep together for a year before they got married. And I was like, I respect that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the fact that because think about the millions of people who look up to Justin Bieber and he says publicly, you know, I'm stepping away from sleeping around even with my girlfriend slash fiance, mm-hmm. future wife. Like, I think that's cool that he is like, yeah. you know, making that public and being like, I'm following Jesus. Therefore, I'm respecting my body. And my future wife's body. Yeah. You know, like, it was cool. Definitely. And I think, too, like, this really highlights how time plays a huge factor for a lot of these people, right? They see Christians and they interact with Christians. And the more they have good experiences, they end up slowly, like, crossing that line. And then once they cross that line where they're open to it, they start engaging with it more. I think that's what we see with um, Russell Brand. It's kind of like what we're seeing with Jordan Peterson and other Mm -hmm. people that are like slowly coming to Christ. It seems it's just really cool. I thought it was awesome when I saw it. Mm -hmm. That is exciting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And I'll say this, too. I don't like. This notion on Christian, like, I bet you if you look at the comments on that video, I don't even know what platform it was on X or, X, yeah. yeah, like, I bet if you read the comments, you'll find a bunch of Christians saying he didn't say the exact phrase, therefore he's not actually Christian or he didn't like, did he actually pray the prayer? Did Like, and it's like, is that really what you care about more than the, mm. this human being, you know, like, mm-hmm. like when I was a youth pastor and you're a youth pastor now, like I would never be like, yeah, but. Little Sammy, did you pray the right prayer? Did you do it right? Like, you know, it's like, is that what God cares about? Like more than their heart. And it's like they're moving in the right direction. They're actually trying to read the Bible. They're trying to pursue Jesus. And that's what I heard in that video. And I bet like it just annoys me to no end how Christians will just fight or nitpick the smallest things. And it's mm-hmm. like, shouldn't you be excited that he's reading his Bible? Honestly, and, I'm, I just read through a few of the comments and they're all like super supportive. Okay, fine. I'm wrong. I, I see care. one though. <laughs> There's one of like him from back in the day or like a bunch of pictures like mishmashed and it says Satan's spawn. <laughs> yeah, but Russell Brand, <laughs> he used to be a... He's changed a lot since he got sober, too. Yeah, yeah. So Anyway, so <laughs> in terms of the comments, I there bet probably you find are those. bad yeah. comments in there. But I think you have a good point there. Like, like they generally do this with... speaking, a lot of Christians will jump in and in, immediately start nitpicking the little things. Like, oh, he's reading Rick Warren. That's terrible. Or like... Well, that or they're like... Like, they do this the most, I think, with Jordan Peterson. Mm. And it's like, oh, he hasn't said the words, I am a Christian or I believe in Jesus. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but he's probably got more people interested in Christianity than like most other people today. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. at the end of the day, 
are is are we really gonna be like, oh, I don't know, is he actually like? It's not even your job. Why does it matter if he is or not, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and to your point about you know that's not the way you would treat a not to compare Russell Brand to like middle schoolers, <laughs> but <laughs> when you have a room full of middle schoolers and you ask them a question about God or you ask them a question about the Bible you're going to get a lot of different answers. Mm-hmm. And if you want to keep getting answers from your middle schoolers and have their brains continue to formulate ideas about God, you cannot be very nitpicky right. with the answers that they give. So if a kid says something that's like slightly off, I'm like, yeah, that's a good thought. And the kid's yeah. like, oh, good. Thinking is good. So then I think more you know, thoughts about God and that's yeah. what I want for the kid, totally. right? And there they're are wrestling a, with it. Yeah. They're chewing on it. You know, if somebody said Jesus Christ is not the son of God, I would say no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's incorrect. Exactly. (laughs) Nine out of 10 times guiding someone rather than being like, no, you're wrong is Mm -hmm. a better approach. Oh, totally. And you're not going to say, oh, you misspoke. You're not a Christian. But we would do that with celebrities. You know, no, oh, I, Russell Brand said this. How dare he? He's not a Christian. That brought back like a core memory for me from when I was in uh, middle and like, I don't know, I guess it's like early high school youth group. And we were in like this small group setting. And I remember the the small group leader was, you know, throwing these uh, questions out at us. Um, and I think one of them was like, what was the last thing that Christ said on the on the cross? And I think I was reading the Gospels probably differently than he was. And I immediately was like, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was like, I know that. And then he immediately shut me down. And I'm like 14 in a group of dudes. I'm like already super self-conscious. Yeah. Hmm. And just because he want, he was looking for the answer to tell us die. Yeah, exactly. It's finished. Um, he's looking for the it is finished answer and immediately shuts me down, like made it super rough for me in the moment. Because like I'm a, you know, as a teenager, I, I try. I know exactly what you're talking about, because like I try to guide as opposed to like shutting down, mm-hmm. you know, I think. It really does. Like for me in that time, just I walled up. I was like, nah, screw it. I'm not going to talk anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not talking with this group ever again. I'm so ashamed. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, a leader actually comes alongside and is like, oh, that's awesome. You're reading your Bible. Yeah. You're, like you're, you're close. You're close. But this is actually what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, does, it speaks worlds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, again, I think that that to the 30 year old. 40 year old guy yeah. who's just getting into it yeah. to hear yeah. people be like, Oh, that's awesome. Like right. keep doing that. Right. You know? mm-hmm. There's a Jordan Peterson quote, actually, Ooh. that is don't punish behavior that you wish to see repeated. Mm. And I try to do that with every relationship I have in my life, whether that's my brother or my friend or a romantic interest. Like I'm not going to punish somebody or overreact negatively when they do something that's actually good. Mm. When a middle schooler Mm -hmm. speaks up and gives an idea about God, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. They literally say the weirdest stuff. Like kids are saying (laughs) your mom, your mom, all this like weird, like, you know, lit cap, like all these things. And then they sit down and they can say an idea about our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to punish that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
but very, very cool. I think that people are supporting of him. Yeah. yeah. And for like, sure, it seems like he's got a lot of people that actually care about his progression, which is super awesome. I don't know. I just, it got me stoked earlier this week. And I when saw I, that pop up, I was like, wow, that's crazy. What I've heard of any interview from him in the past or anything is like, he doesn't just do things half heartedly or superficially. Mm-hmm. So he's probably like deep diving into oh, yeah. reading the Bible, studying Christian theology. So, yeah, that's super cool. I'm excited to keep to track with that and see where it goes for mm-hmm. him. That's exciting. Seriously. Well, sick. Is it time for the meat? Should we bring out the meat? Meat, meat. That's a good term. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> I like meat. It's a it's a good section. So I actually kind of orchestrated tonight's meat. It's not going to be our traditional meat. Will it be a meat cute? (laughs) (laughs) What is your traditional meat? Usually we'll have like a subject or kind of a topic or Ethan will kind of stumble upon uh, maybe some type of quote Mm -hmm. and then we kind of go off of that. Uh, So we end up talking about deep things is the goal. So tonight it was still of the goal to get into the meat, but... I was thinking it would be really cool to open up more of a conversation on some similar experiences, but mm-hmm. also different experiences that we've probably all had mm-hmm. in very similar circles. So what we're essentially going to get into is I think all of our experiences in maybe like the charismatic, maybe hyper charismatic as well. We could Pentecostal. say it could be Pentecostal. There's another term now for a lot of these movements, which is NAR or New Apostolic Reformation, if you've heard that okay. term. Yeah. Or word of faith. Word of faith. There's a lot of different ways you can uh, approach the, these experiences. And I think people from all sides have different experiences. So I thought it would be really cool to get into Matt's experience, yeah. Ethan's experience, my experience with similar movements, because they're very big movements and super influential mm-hmm. and sort of uh, pervasive in a lot of Christian circles. You can go to the most Mm -hmm. like down roots, backwoods church and somebody there will be actively engaging in that type of theology somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, through the Internet or, you know, going to a certain school or doing a missions trip or. Right. And I want to clarify up front that I don't that we're not saying that that's a bad thing at all. No, that. Oh, you're charismatic. Therefore, you're bad. Because my experience with YWAM was. 80% 80% positive. Yeah. And I got a lot of good stuff out of it. And so save that though real quick. Cause we'll introduce your experience here. Okay. So if you want to start it, are you silencing me? No, but I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want you to introduce your experience. Cause that'll like preface kind of where you came from. Okay. So you did YWAM. Yeah. So from 2010 to 2012, I was with YWAM, which stands for youth with a mission. Y W A M YWAM. And I feel like that was, oh my gosh, that was 14 years ago. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> so He's the youngest guy here. I wish. No, so 14 years ago, I think though, I will say, I think YWAM has changed a lot in the last 14 years. Hmm. So I think when you talk about YWAM today, it's not the same as it was when I was there. That's an interesting point. And the other thing, so, so that's to say I'm less familiar with how they are now mm. and their founder lauren cunningham died i think earlier in like 2023 this last year yeah this past yeah, he just year died. yeah which yeah i think he was a really good dude he was faithful mm-hmm. and that's a good point though the uh ywam of 
2010, 2012, very different from the YOM today, probably. Different vibe. Um, yeah. But you've been around other circles too, right? The other thing I wanted to say too is YOM is so big and they have hundreds of bases. And you could go to one base, for example, mm-hmm. the Denver base, and they have a lot of really solid seminary educated people. They're well organized, well run, really solid base. But there's a lot of other bases I've been to where it might be more like, culty or weird or they do weird stuff or so basically <laughs> or <sure>. like <laughs> yeah like ywam yeah. is so big that not every base is exactly the same yeah you could go to one base and have a or like oh my gosh i feel like i was just in the cult for six months or like a really awesome experience and my experience was mostly positive mm. yeah. with ywam so no it's super awesome yeah so I'll, so those two things up front um and then the other thing so i'll, so I'll just say i did my my base was in Australia. Mm. I was there for three months of lectures and then Thailand for a month and India for a month. And when I was in Thailand, I saw the first supernatural thing I had ever seen in my life, which was this demon possessed guy who was acting like a chicken. And I told this story so many times. Um, his name was Jato. We were in the middle of nowhere in Thailand. We pray for him for just a couple minutes. And then suddenly he's like, like, boom, back to his normal mind. Wow. Talking to his wife. And apparently he'd been like that for a month, acting like a chicken, unable Hmm. to communicate with humans, like really weird. And it's like that is undeniably supernatural. It's biblical, you know, that we drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And it's not like it's not like, oh, my back hurts. Let's pray for it. Oh, my gosh, it's better. Like, you know, it's like where you could fake something like that or. Mm hmm. He had no reason to fake. He was like a, this rural farmer in the middle of nowhere. Right. No electricity, no internet, no running water, nothing. Just like middle of nowhere Thailand. It's like he doesn't. And he was doing that for a month. Right. Before we got there. Yeah. And so so from that moment, mm. I was like, okay, this this is real. And the Christianity I grew up with wasn't very charismatic at all. So that was one of the best things it did give me was hey, the Holy Spirit does things when you pray and when you take actions in the name of Jesus, pray for things to happen, especially in the face of like this blatant demonic, demonically possessed dude, and he's going to do something like, wow, God is actually here and active and alive and powerful, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it shifted in that way for, in, a good, in a good sense. And now the shadow side of that, though, is that in a lot of these charismatic circles, you'll see what my dad and I call like miracle hunters. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I just want the supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to go out and see some crazy miracle or some crazy healing and God has to do it. Otherwise, my faith isn't good enough or I have some sin or what's wrong with me if, if miracles aren't happening all around. And that kind of became the crux of my faith for a year or two after YWAM was I'm going miracle hunting. I want to find all these supernatural things and do them. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. peripheral to what actually is the center of our faith, which mm-hmm. is just knowing God and being known by him, right? They're kind of like the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, mm-hmm. but that's not the substance of our faith. Yeah. Discipleship is made by so much more than signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, so if, so I'd say that was one of the down, downfalls was you get this culture of we want to go stir up these supernatural things. And, and one of the things after a couple of years was I used to have really bad sinus issues. Hmm. I could never taste. I always had a stuffy nose. It was really – they were 
and there was always pressure in my face. It was always jacked up. And I went to a lot of these charismatic churches with YWAM or different YWAM groups. And they would always say things like, I declare your sinuses are healed. Like, mm. you're healed now. When you leave these doors, you'll be healed. You won't have sinus issues anymore. And guess what? I always did. <laughs> like, it never <laughs> went away. The only thing that cured my sinuses was surgery, <laughs> you know, like having <laughs> yeah. them cut open and widening my sinuses. And so yeah. it's like I think that can be detrimental, too, is when you're declaring, okay, now you're healed. Now this miracle has happened. And the person is like, uh, no, it hasn't. I don't feel any different. My sinuses are still the same as they were before. Right. And I think that can be detrimental because then maybe the person you're praying for is like, something's wrong with me. This mm. person said I was healed by Jesus, but is my faith not strong enough? Why well, that's an interesting point that healed? you bring up because I've heard that thrown around too. Like your faith wasn't strong enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you didn't get healed. Like, were you even like faithful enough or did you believe hard enough? Basically, it's akin to the prosperity gospel. In it, that sense. They, they align very mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Matt, um, what about your experience? Because it's funny enough because I was thinking about this recently where I remember being in college and I was kind of in, you know, in, intermingling with a lot of these circles yeah. because I kind of grew up around some of it and the church I was a part of in high school is very much so that way. And, um, I remember somebody was like, you should read Matt Larson's blog post on Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. (laughs) Yeah, because I was talking to them about it. And they were like, yeah, you should read Matt's experience. I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I should. Hmm. Oh, gosh. It was Maddie Whitmore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie was like, you should should chat with Matt. Yeah. Um, But I was like a little freshman, so I was like running around doing stuff. And (laughs) I was like, "Ah, I don't have time to talk to Matt about that. (laughs) Dang. But um, I read your blog post then. And it actually opened my eyes to a lot of different things at that point in time. Because I was still fairly involved in it. I wasn't like super involved in it, but a little bit. Like, I didn't read the blog post. Can you give us a summary? I don't even remember, Ethan. (laughs) Oh, for real? (laughs) I don't. I wrote it seven years ago. If if we get into it, you'll probably remember, like, I'm sure, like, what your general reasoning on it. I think what I remember from it was um, the biggest thing you were taking away is it wasn't really so much a critical thing at all. It was more so just saying like, I, I left Bethel because I didn't feel like they used scripture enough or, you know, use too many like extra biblical texts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the big thing I remember, but yeah. that leads into, cause when I was thinking about this, I was like, Oh, Matt's had a big experience with that. Ethan's had a experience with the charismatic stuff. I've, I've been around it a lot, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about like your experience there, Mm -hmm. what got you there, what you were doing before to get you there, what you did after what changed. I don't know. Yeah. Just the whole rundown. Yeah. I'll give you kind of the chronological story and then some important talking points. Mm. Basically I went to Bethel school of supernatural ministry in the fall of 2016. So yeah, seven, seven and a half years ago ish. And leading up to that, it was probably seven or eight months of hanging out with a bunch of different people. Um, It kind of started with these people that I was leading a mission trip with to Papua New Guinea. And it was someone who had done YWAM and they actually went to Papua New Guinea. And so we were kind of retracing their steps almost in their outreach with YWAM as a part of a CCU mission trip. Hmm. So the, I, so the leader was from CCU and they had done YWAM in the past? Yes. Colorado mm-hmm. Christian University yes. for people who... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And leading up to... So that trip happened in June. It was almost the entire month of June. It was about three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Leading up to that trip, 
I started talking a lot about things that I had never talked about in the church before. So I grew mm. up not in a charismatic church whatsoever. Things that I never heard about, like prayer language. I had never heard of a personal prayer language, which like is speaking like speaking in tongues. Yeah, but like in a personal way. Hmm. And it's like, it was almost, I don't understand that still. Hmm. And I will preface, this is kind of what I'll say at the end. There's a redemptive part to this where I have kind of gone as far away from the charismatics, the charismatic movement as possible. And recently started to realize that I was closing a section off hmm. of even hmm. scripture yeah. and the, mm -hmm. the miracle working power of God. So yeah. we'll get to that. So leading up to this, I started talking about a lot of different topics that I hadn't talked about before. I started attending different churches that I had never attended in the past. And like more charismatic churches. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started trying these things out and leading into this mission trip. That was kind of what I was doing. And then mm -hmm. during that mission trip was actually when I got accepted to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. So that's mm -hmm. the full name. I'll just refer to it as Bethel for the most part. Yeah. Different than Bethel University in Minnesota. Yeah. Right. That's or, a great place. Dif very different. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> good distinction. <laughs> Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry is essentially an entire school year of learning ministry. And you do do you do a decent amount of Bible reading from what I can remember. And the reason I'm saying from what I can remember is because I was only there for two weeks. Oh, so I went there and on the way there, I started reading the first book that they had as part of their syllabus. So there was mm. two books we had to read before starting school. And I moved out about a week and a half before starting school. So I was able to, you know, finish these two books in the time that I had before school actually started. So I move out there and I'm starting to read this book. And I start to realize that there's things in it that I either don't understand, which in some cases that's true, or I was like, I understand this and this doesn't seem right. Hmm. It seems wrong. So the book that I was reading was When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson. Who's the founder of Bethel Church, right? Yes. He is mm -hmm. the, he doesn't play as much of a hands-on role anymore because he's a little bit older, but his son, you know, is the, like the worship pastor or was the worship pastor. And this church is huge. The, just Bethel church itself is, I think five plus thousand people. Yeah. Dang. And then when you add the school into it, that's like 2,500, 3,000 more people that are a part it's of the that church. big or it was when you were there. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It filled a very large auditorium. I would say probably thousand, 1200 seats in that auditorium. And I think they had other people that were in there when we weren't in there because there's three years of this program. Hmm. You can, I was in the first year you can uh, do multiple years. Yeah. yeah. It's like a three year thing. And that's interesting too. Cause it, it's very influential outside of that as well. Cause there are like partner churches that get like really involved. So like, it'll be a regular non-denominational church, but they will be like a part of the Bethel network or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with. I'll, with I'll that. get into that because my church in high oh. school was that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But oh. no, keep going. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, like, massive reach, though, like, huge reach. Mm. Yeah. So, as I was sitting sitting down in this apartment that I just moved into, this entire, it was actually a pretty sweet setup. This, this entire street, the apartments had been bought by one of the professors 
and Reading is not the nicest city. It's it's pretty it's pretty dingy and not super nice Redding, looking. California, Reading, California, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the professor had bought all these apartments and renovated them fairly well, and every single one had students in it. Hmm. So it was like ten different small apartment buildings that had like four apartments, and I was living with three other guys. One of which was from California, one was from Ohio, and one was from Denmark. Hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I move in and I'm kind of just chilling there. Like I go and look for a job. Like I go talk to a few different employers in the area. And then I sit down and read this book for a few hours every day. And I started to highlight things, different colors. So I highlighted stuff blue that I was like, that's good. That's in line with scripture. That's, you know, it's great. Then I highlighted stuff yellow that I was like, this, this thing I highlighted yellow is more on the line, like pushing the boundaries of what I would consider okay, but I couldn't necessarily defeat it with something mm-hmm. from scripture. And then there was a decent amount of stuff that I highlighted red, mm. dun, 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 red flag. <laughs> yeah. And this is stuff that blatantly goes against hmm. something in scripture or is the very very skewed interpretation of a passage of scripture. Mm-hmm. Do you so, remember any examples of that? No, that's why I was trying to pull up my oh. my Amazon Kindle app. I will say, if anybody wants to know more about that, because when Heaven Invades Earth, um, Mike Winger did a, a book review of it mm-hmm. um, on YouTube. So search Mike Winger, Bethel, or Bill Johnson, When Heaven Invades Earth. He like re-uploaded it because they copyright struck him or something for it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, he has a ton of detail. Like He read the whole book very in-depth. And um, if you know who Mike Winger is... Mike Weiner. I hope he listens to it. I doubt he will, but that would be funny. Mike Winger is a great resource on that specific book too, because that is, I think, notably one of the sketchier books Mm -hmm. um, that I know of. But that was Uh, the first one they had you read? It is the first one they had me read. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I have not read any other books by Bill Johnson. Mm -hmm. So it was news to me when Tucker told me this. That it was the craziest book that he's written. I mean, that's just like kind of from what I know. I'm sure there are others. Uh, I think that was the only one that I read of his uh-huh. um, back in like high school. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting that they started you on that thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I read every chapter of that book and I highlighted stuff on, I, again, it was on a Kindle app. So I, I wish I had the password to my Amazon account, but <laughs> man, it was, there was a lot of stuff I highlighted. It was probably equal amounts of blue, blue, yellow, and red. Hmm. So I get done reading this book, and it's a few days before class starts, and I'm already wary of the kind of organization that I'm stepping into, and you know, one that I had moved 1,200 miles from Colorado to go to. Mm-hmm. I started realizing that this school has an insane amount of pull. So... For YWAM, it's, it makes sense to me that there's people of all different countries that are going to it because it's in several countries. Mm-hmm. And like, like 100 countries or more. Yeah. But Bethel's only one. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. only one Bethel. And mm-hmm. this guy came from Denmark, right? And I was like, oh, that's crazy. He must be the only guy from Denmark. But no, he invites me to go play volleyball with some of him and his Scandinavian friends. Wow. wow. And there was like 20 of them. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, out of like 
probably six or 700 students. There's like 20 that all know each other mm-hmm. from these Scandinavian countries. They all like kind of came together in a sense. Yeah. And I was like, how wow. does this school have that much pull? So mm-hmm. interesting. So anyway, I'm, I'm walking into class, you know, a few days later with already being wary and I'm trying to figure out which talking point to mention first. <laughs> You're um, there's a few different things that really turned me off. And I had a few conversations after experiencing these things with my dad, with a couple of friends, one of whom was a big supporter of me going to hmm. Bethel in the first place and talked it through with them, the decision to leave a school that I had moved 1200 miles to about two weeks after I had done that. Mm-hmm. So it was a very, I felt like a roller coaster of emotions really. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'll start by saying this. I think I said this in my blog. At least I hope I said this in my blog. It's been so long since I read it, but (laughs) I do remember finding it. (laughs) It's out there somewhere. It's on Medium. Search Matt Larson, Bethel or something like that. (laughs) BSSM or something like that. They they do love Jesus. I want to start off Mm -hmm. by saying that. They do love Jesus. They worship the triune God Mm -hmm. and they read the same Bible that we do, which, which all should be enough, right? Yeah. So the reasons I left were kind of a few different things. Number one, God was treated to me. I perceived it as like a party trick Hmm. where let me throw God at this situation where someone's back hurts or there's, you know, there's stuff going, there's family issues happening or, you know, even in situations where there's God has put people or things into existence so that whatever situation can be helped, like medicine, for example. That's a very good example of something that I saw multiple times. And I was only there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I only attended two church services and went to two days of class. And I saw a lot of people just going like God, throwing him at the sickness or the pain or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. you know, when there's a, you know, for you, it was the surgery, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that God has, that God has put in your life through someone that he gave a brain to. Right. And that he was also calling them to fill the earth and subdue it. When he says that in Genesis, it's making the earth better is essentially what it means. And like the generations of people and like developments in medicine to get to a point where they can just carve up your nose and like fix your, your breathing. Yeah. 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 So there's that the whole conversation about being filled with the spirit or being baptized in the Holy spirit was often, it sounded like there was another level of faith that I had not yet attained which was something that was sort of introduced to me even before that mission trip to Papua New Guinea. It was probably six months before I started Bethel that someone told me of the baptism by the Holy Spirit term, right? Mm -hmm. Which that's one of the topics that I've strayed so far away from even trying to learn about because of the experience that I had at Bethel. And I'm just now opening myself up to a few different topics again Mm -hmm. and, and musical artists. Bethel has an insane an insanely popular record label, Bethel Music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of singers that have left Bethel that I despised while I was there. One of whom is called, she. her name is Stephanie Gretzinger. Mm-hmm. And she has this album that I just started listening to within the last month again. And it has been immensely helpful mm-hmm. for 
my mental that, like, health gray one? for my relationship with God. Yeah. It's, it's called the undoing yeah. is the name yeah, of the I remember album. that one. It was so good. Yeah. Why didn't you like her when you were there? I think it, I kind of grouped all the worship artists together mm. in this group of people. And here's why, because it seems to me that more people got more excited about these worship artists than they did about Jesus Christ. That's a, that, and that was a big red flag for me. You know, they would mention that so-and-so was coming to lead worship the next day when I'm like, I don't even know who this is. Mm -hmm. And this whole crowd is like, yes. And they're like banging <laughs> like the chair in front of them and they're like screaming and everything. And then they're like, yeah. you know, they read a passage of scripture where like Jesus heals somebody or Jesus is existing mm -hmm. and, and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So just the whole celebrity, the church celebrity culture, church celebrity. Yeah. 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 There's one more aspect that's not trivial at all, which is that although Bethel reads the same Bible we do, they worship the triune God. They at least carry themselves. And when I say themselves, I mean the people who lead this organization, like anything, anything goes, meaning that there's not really any boundaries to the way that God works, which is true. But here's an example for you that kind of goes beyond what I would say is, is truth. There was a video that one of my fellow students who actually lived in the same street that I did in a different apartment, mm -hmm. he posted a video of him and his roommates sticking pennies on the wall. Oh, I remember that craze, which is not a Christian thing. I think I was actually informed it was, it was a originally a Buddhist or a, um, some Eastern religion that mm -hmm. started this. And it was, it, it's a very culty thing to do, right? Like, so they're doing that. And, you know, thankfully the staff that was the admin for that Facebook page took the video down, mm -hmm. which was very wise of them. I didn't watch the video cause I, I just didn't want to like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to entertain that at all. I remember that. And so, I remember that when I did it, the pennies always stuck a lot more when I was on the East coast. <laughs> Cause Wait, it's humid. Cause it's humid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Did like, you stick pennies on the wall? <laughs> oh yeah. Back when in my YWAM days, it's like, Oh God, the Holy spirit is far more present on the East coast than anywhere else. <laughs> oh my it's so much more humid. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, they post that with the caption, oh man, I'll remember this till the, the day I die. They, they posted it with the caption, <laughs> God loves to play with his kids. Hmm. And I was like, that's a, that's an issue for me because it's shows I mean, I think it shows a complete lack of reverence for someone who created the universe hmm. that it's in his best interest to just do these things with pennies. Hmm. I don't know. It, it just struck me like that's what glorifies God. He's yeah. going to hold pennies to a wall. Yeah. And that's what, what the, what he would draw glory to himself with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I remember someone explained that phenomenon using the metaphor of like, um, it's kind of like going to the gym. Like when I pick up a weight and curl it 10 times and put it back, have I like accomplished anything? No, like I didn't build a house or I didn't like win a football game. Hmm. I didn't do anything, but I did make myself better by like practicing the you know, weightlifting. I made myself stronger. They, they use the same metaphor. Like, are you actually accomplishing anything when the penny sticks to a wall? No, but you're making your faith stronger. 
you're mm-hmm. like you're and it's like looking back at it my response now would be like yeah but if if something supernatural happens it's not because of you and how good you are mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. because the holy spirit did something like when mm-hmm. i saw that demon possessed dude in thailand get delivered mm-hmm. that wasn't because my faith was strong i may have been me and my team prayed for him but it wasn't us who pushed the demon out with our own strength or our own intellect or mm-hmm. anything yeah. it was we just asked god to do that and god did that right mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a cringy thing to look back on, for <laughs> yeah. sure. But. I bet that's, I mean, you can't blame yourself for it. You didn't really know any better. But per to be se. fair, one time it stuck to the ceiling, which was pretty impressive. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I'm just curious. I've never seen anyone do it because, again, I didn't watch that video. <laughs> but <laughs> how hard do you have to push it? Like, are you digging it into the paint? Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel, like, like, the, I feel no. like the paint would like start sticking yeah. to it. It's like, oh my God. For those of you who are, Watching this for the first time, Ethan has really big muscles. So I imagine, <laughs> I imagine his 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 pushing the penny into the wall would work a little bit better than other people. Veins and striations everywhere, you know. No, but I will. I mean, the time it did stick to the ceiling is actually it was pretty remarkable because because it was like it wasn't like a glossy paint yeah. that's like sticky. It was like a, um, it wasn't painted. It was like a drywall like. Yeah, finish mm-hmm. on the ceiling. So I don't, I don't have an explanation for all of it, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that uh, like I'm, I'm with Tim Keller who said that he was an 80 percent cessationist, uh-huh. meaning he thinks like 80 percent of the time people are just being dramatic and it's not actually the Holy Spirit working. But there's still that 20 percent. That's a mystery. So yeah, I'm kind of like along those lines now. Yeah. Yeah, and I've started to realize I may have to dig back into because I, I I don't think I would consider myself a cessationist. No, I'm definitely gonna have to dig back into that. Mm. So, anyhow, there's there's been a, a couple of other things that have come out of Bethel Church that although they come out eventually and say we don't condone this, mm-hmm. it's very commonly it's a very common thing for these these practices to come out of Bethel. One of them being grave soaking. I don't know if you guys have ever oh, heard this that term. Is weird. Yeah, I remember yes. that. It is there are like pictures of people laying on graves. I mean it's yeah. like salt burn. <laughs> if you guys saw salt so, burn. Grave soaking is when a person, a living person, walks up to a grave of someone who they would consider uh like an influential Christian leader. Mm. And they sit on the grave or they lay on it and I don't know, probably pray about you know, this person, but their attempt there, what they're doing is they're attempting to gain some of the anointing Mm -hmm. from this person who is dead. Yeah. Didn't they do it? Who's, who's grave in in the UK? Did they do it to like, like that was a big one. Everybody was like, are you freaking kidding me? So this came out, you, you know, a lot of people were doing this because they saw Jen Johnson doing this. And Jen Johnson is the wife of Bill Johnson. No, no, Eric, his son, Eric Johnson. Eric yes, Johnson. yeah, you. she's she's the she's the daughter-in-law. Yeah, so she was doing this, and people followed her. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing is not okay. 
Yeah, it's really whack. If we're getting into this stuff too, like just a few more to name to name some some more things that like should probably set off red flags for Christians. Yeah, um, I remember when they were doing like um, like Christian uh, tarot cards. Uh, so Chris Valatin, uh, the dude who's like the dean of Bethel I got School. Some stories about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. his Dang. wife apparently was the one that like started these like Christian tarot cards. She was like selling them and like giving them to the other ladies in the church. And they never actually outright condemned that practice because again, you know, like the anything goes uh, mentality. Right. Right. I think later on they tried to kind of sweep it under the rug and then they're like, no, we don't believe in tarot. It was like, something different yeah but they were like literally just tarot cards but they were supposed to be like christian rebranded and then another one was um like a christian ouija board is what they were trying to do um i don't remember who exactly I, I, i know that it was one of the other high profile people there who i think was also their wife that was doing like trying to lead the women in like christian ouija board stuff so they would like set up a ouija board but an they actual would ask, ouija board but they it wasn't ask, like the christian ouija board. i think that they no no no. it was called the bethel board gosh no you can look this thing up it's um it's the bethel board what yeah um it's just like the joel osteen uh board game do you, do you ever see that he came out with a board game, <laughs> and and it was awesome. I played it once, and it's impossible to lose. You can't lose it. That's so funny. <laughs> you just end I'm up rich to, and successful no see, matter see what. See if I can find it. Yeah, it was a Ouija a Ouija board. Well, Tucker, um, but they called it the Bethel board. Anyway, while Tucker looks that up, I have a uh, just a side note. Yeah, is this the Chris Valentin? No, it's oh. the Joel Osteen thing. <laughs> I have been told multiple times by strangers that I look like Joel Osteen. I, a person I have never met in my life what? comes up to me and tells me I look like Joel Osteen. I haven't had hair that's long on the sides in a while, but when I grow my hair out on the sides and it gets kind of bushy, people tell me I look like Joel really? Osteen. Yeah. Wait, let me see your teeth. Uh, they're not shiny enough. <laughs> no, yeah. I've been drinking a lot of coffee and I haven't done the whitening in a while, so... Well, and I uh, don't have a Ferrari, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, Tucker is like, and I'm not, I I'm not familiar enough with either of those things, the tarot or the the Bethel Ouija board, to justify them. But if you look at the Bible, there's a lot of lot casting, and you have the Urim and Thummim, which were these boards that they yeah. used to kind of divine things from God in the temple in the Old Testament. And um, like these stones that they flipped and they seem like some kind of coin, like a divine coin flip that would determine <laughs> or like make decisions for them. And then even in Acts 1, when they replace, uh, replace Judas with Matthias, the reason he gets picked is because they drew lots and the lot falls to Matthias. And so it's like literally today it'd be like if we were like, all right, who's going to be our next elder on our church board? Like shake and roll. <laughs> yeah. Like, but okay, in a way, a- though, that, that wasn't so much like a like a, you know, they're not saying Holy Spirit pick. No, that's what they are don't, saying. Don't pick these lots. Because if it, there's like the thought was if you leave something up to chance, then it's God who's the one who's making the dice fall the way it does or making the Urim and Thummim land the way they do. And it's like it's not a human who's picking it. Well, in the in the room and through them, but I was thinking about the the lots for well, the same uh, thing. Matthias is picking. Do you, do you think that that's what the, what that one was? Yeah, there, I mean that's exactly what it was. It was leaving it up to chance and letting I guess the chance if you're, decide. If you're going to carry through, yeah, then that thought. That said, yes, I see where you're going with that. I would probably just like press it a little bit because again, you I'm know, not saying that I'm not they saying were right. That, I'm just saying that 
<laughs> I could see why someone might arrive at doing something like that. Yeah, and and I can agree too, right? Like you you can see you can understand with the mentality of like God can use anything. Yeah. God yeah. can bring these things to happen. But I would probably press that and say it it's it's a bit of that like too far aspect. Yeah. Where yeah. you're not just playing with like you're, you're not, not playing just, with Urim and Thummim anymore. You're not playing with Urim and Thummim. You're not rolling dice. You're more so like getting into actual like cult practices for spiritual realm stuff. And do you know what they were trying to seek out? Like what the answer was that they were looking for with this board? I, I, I actually like don't know why they well, were using it. Maybe it's like an I actual think it was, board. You ask it a question and it's like, now let's do the answer. I think the idea was, yeah, that essentially like, oh, like the Holy Spirit will move the Ouija board cue thing or whatever, or the um, tarot cards were like, you're going to get a word from God from these tarot cards. Mm. Right. So if the tarot card is like, because I, I don't know, I don't know, like tarot card stuff. What is it like? You know, you're strong, strong, powerful. I don't know. It's like weird. In, but there's like the death card, the tower yeah, card. I don't know fool. all of them, but yeah. uh, they would essentially take like the same layout and then like Christianize it in a way. Right. Yeah. So they would like play tarot or whatever, do tarot, which yeah. I, I don't know what that looks like. But Well, it's just interesting to me that when they sit down and they say, hmm, how are we going to spend our time and grow closer to the Lord? They choose a Ouija board and tarot cards versus right. the Bible. You know, it's just really interesting. There's some weird things. And, and again, this isn't like to just harp on like, oh, they're so evil. I think that a lot of people that are there, again, like you said, like they, mm-hmm. they're Trinitarian they are, you know, Christians, right? Mm-hmm. By definition, you know, of their foundational, you know, maybe doctrine. But it's when you get into some of these other like offhand practices, yeah, it gets a little bit weirder. Yeah, Tucker, um, I think I think the the Bethel board was a satirical article somebody made up to make fun of their tarot card, or they called them destiny cards. Was it the was was it a satirical thing? Yeah, it says the Bethel board, encounter God with this new game. No, it's not a Ouija board, you religious Pharisee. And they have this whole... Oh, I see. But it's like so a Babylon like B style thing. Like a ba- so that so that was more of like a counter to the tarot cards, which, yeah, like you said, the destiny cards. Yeah, the the destiny cards were real. But that was actually Chris Valentin's wife and yeah. some other some other dude's wife was yeah. like involved, like high profile Bethel person. Yeah. But, but just yeah. say that say that now so we don't have to make a correction next week. <laughs> That's it a looks good like point. they didn't actually make a <laughs> So the Bethel board, board. Maybe I just I don't know, because I remember that was like I was seeing all that stuff in a time when like a lot of weird stuff was like I was noticing a lot of weird stuff. So I probably took it as like, oh yeah, that definitely is going on. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I did I did a lot more research on the tarot cards. But uh, that was, yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Yeah. So you said you had an experience with Chris Valatin? Yeah. So there was, I think it was the first day that Chris Valatin talked to the school. Mm-hmm. From what I recall, he played a huge role in leading the school. They had different names for the different roles of people at the school. So he wasn't like the principal or the superintendent, right? Mm-hmm. But he was like the head of the school. And Bill Johnson kind of did the church stuff, and Chris Valentin was more on the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry side. Yeah, yeah. And the first day he talked, because remember, I only went to two days of class. The first day he talked, he told a story, and I'll preface it by saying he was very proud of what he did. He told a story of a couple years prior when he had a, a young girl who was in the first year of BSSM, 
Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, he had her come up on stage or at least be in front of everybody at the front of the auditorium with a thousand people in it. And he said, speak in tongues over the mic with this girl in front of every other person at the school. He said, go ahead. I'll wait. And he was very proud of this. He said, I waited for minutes while this girl just kind of sat there, (laughs) not wanting to talk in tongues. And yeah, he was like, I'll wait. He's like, I can outweigh you essentially waiting for this girl to talk, speak in tongues. And he never mentioned if there was an interpreter present for, for these tongues that he was demanding of this girl. But those are all things that he said, like that came Mm -hmm. straight from his mouth that he said, I was, I made her speak in tongues basically. Yeah. And he was really proud of it. That's crazy. It was very alarming to me. He blocked me on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I like, uh, I dropped a comment like a couple of years ago on one of his videos. He blocked me. I couldn't, I can't, I can't <laughs> nice. pull his page up anymore. I can't search him. Nice. Um, and that's, that's, that's why you got to have multiple accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Crumb Hill just commented. <laughs> and that's the opposite of like Russell Brand, because if you commented mm. on Russell Brand or somehow he came into interaction with you, right? he would entertain things. He would kind of toss it back and forth with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Chris Valentin, he just, you just kind of said something on an Instagram video. Oh yeah, bro. I was like, it was a pretty simple comment. It, he like made some really big claim. I can't even remember exactly what it was. It was some, you know, I don't know, weird claim. And I was like, I just, I just raised a question in my comment more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't even a long one. I, I, I don't even remember. It was like two years ago, probably. And, uh, <laughs> and then like a week later, I went to go see if anything happened with my comment. And it was like, I couldn't search him. Whoa. <laughs> he, he like straight up blocked me, which I thought was just kind of funny. Well, I think the, the the whole practice of making people speak in tongues is so like, it's not biblical. Mm-hmm. And there's, it, it literally says the opposite in first Corinthians 14, when it says like, some of you speak in tongues, some of you don't. I'm paraphrasing Paul here, but he's like, I wish that you all spoke in tongues as much as I do, which implies that they don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's yeah. like from the beginning, Tongues is is a gift that some people have and some people don't. And I, my personal stance is that tongues is not gibberish. That tongues refers to other human languages. Mm-hmm. Because in Acts two, it says they speak in tongues, mm-hmm. and everybody heard it in their own language. Mm-hmm. Now that one is miraculous and beneficial, and actually proves something to the listener who's mm-hmm. an outsider. Because Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 14 that tongues is a sign not for the believer, for the Mm non-believer. If you're speaking gibberish, you're not proving anything to anyone except that you're a little bit crazy, you know? So it's like clear – like. But if I suddenly started speaking Chinese to somebody who's Chinese, mm-hmm. that's beneficial, miraculous, and a sign to people, right? You think you're yeah. speaking English, but they're but they're hearing Chinese. Exactly. And, and that's, that's exa- actually a, 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 it's like benefiting the body, right? Yeah. And that's what happens next, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And no, that's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what this girl said. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was someone from another country that was way far in the back of the room who was about to commit suicide and they heard something that this girl said that drew them back to the Lord. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is he was bragging about making a girl talk pressuring her yeah and and a really weird kind of pressure way where in front of everybody and that's like a thousand people that's that's uncomfortable i got awkward talking in front of like 
20 people in a CCU classroom for public speaking. Yeah. In tongues? No, just about, <laughs> I don't know, some no. in, informative public speech. Um, one time I was forced, or I wouldn't say forced, in YWAM there was one time where he said, just start making noises and the words, quote unquote, words will follow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, you're doing it. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> literally I'm not making noise. That's like you so said, funny. right. Yeah. But that was in front of like seven people. Cause I yeah. had a really small team, but yeah, it was weird. And I would never force someone to do that because yeah. there's zero biblical precedent. It, it just it. doesn't seem like a necessary thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's another story that's similar that mm. I heard from a CCU professor. So Bill Watson, do you remember mm-hmm. him? Yeah. yeah. He he passed away a, a year and a half ago, I think. And yeah. before that, he was a professor at CCU who taught Western civilization mm-hmm. is the class that I had him for. And he said he walked into a Pentecostal church when he was in his younger years. And they basically did the same thing. Mm-hmm. There was a group of a few people around him that said, you know, talk in tongues, speak in tongues. And he said, no, I'm okay. I don't, I, I don't have that gift. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And they're like, no, 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 go, go, go. Like not with zero regard for the gifts that he said he didn't have. Mm-hmm. Right. And he just starts talking to them in German because he knew German. Yeah. And so they technically had, he was speaking a tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I know this story. <laughs> but he, tar- he started telling them, I don't know, probably like about the weather mm-hmm. or about his day yesterday, something like that. And they were like absolutely lost it because they thought he was talking in tongues because they didn't mm-hmm. understand what he was saying. Yeah, <laughs> so. I had I had him for the same class. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Bill Watson, the guy nice. was a, a legend on CCU's campus. He reminded me of Indiana Jones's dad in the third Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, he was crazy. He'd like stand on the table, shake go, his hands, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious, bro. Yeah. So just um, for the sake of time, we'll I'll jump forward. I'll kind of share some of my experience in that side of things. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think from what's been said already, like, I, I don't think that any of us would call ourselves like cessationists. I don't know that the 80% cessationist is like a, I'm not a cessationist statement. <laughs> Meaning that we believe the Meaning, spiritual gifts have ceased. Exactly. Like the, the, after the apostles died, there's no more spiritual gifts or miracles right. or so a, a full on happenings. Ses- yeah. A full on cessationist would say none of that happens anymore. Mm-hmm. Like now it's all just biological and, and, and natural and there's no and intervention now, like, in the, a sense. Yeah. The only miracle that happens now is just salvation. Yeah. Which is a miracle in and of itself. They're not wrong. It's the biggest that, miracle. But there are, I, I think that we could all say, you know, that's probably not the, the whole idea. But uh, no, it's super cool to hear. Dude, Matt, thanks for sharing for a while yeah, and also absolutely. joining us to share that because I think it's a really interesting topic. I, I know a lot of people that are still involved in that movement and I've known a lot of people that have like really gone through it and like come out of it. And there's like kind of two sides. There's like the one side that's like just leaves the church entirely. There's the other side that like kind of just has to go through this long journey of like repairing their theology sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to like just trash that movement. Cause I think that there are some really good things that, you know, YWAM has done. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through YWAM and have really good experiences. I've also seen really bad experiences or heard of really mm-hmm. bad experiences. Bethel's a tricky one because I think that as a church, it um, tends to be a little bit more difficult to, 
they they don't have that diversification of ideas like YWAM does because so they're just they, a church because they are a church. Mm-hmm. It gets a little different when you start branching out, but I think from my experience, a lot of the churches that I've seen that mm-hmm. adhere to their theological you know approach tend to like very much so like people kind of cling to it. So for me, it was, um, I grew up, uh, my parents were going to a liturgical church. So like basically like full on like high church Anglican, it was an Episcopal church, the Episcopal church in Aspen. Um, and the rector there for years was, you know, this Oxford dude, British guy. And you know, I'm like, I don't know, pretty young. I was like, Oh, this is all boring stuff. (laughs) And you don't get like a lot of something I, I, I think is a down, a downfall of a lot of those churches is, some are some are really good at it. Some are some are less good at this. But like really foundational, like doctrinal teaching, where you know, I don't know, maybe I was too young for that at the time. Anyway, like understanding um, why you do the things you do, exactly. You're like getting into what does this liturgy really mean? You mm-hmm. know, like why are we saying these things in the creed, or yeah. you know, why are we like reciting, you know, these different, um, you know, repentance prayers and uh, why is there absolution, you know, responses, things like that. But uh, my good friend, one of my best friends, I will have to have him on at some point, Ponch uh, or Zach. (laughs) He's so funny. He um, was going to this Pentecostal church down uh, in a different town, uh, Newcastle, Colorado. And he took me a couple times uh, to the youth group and it was like, you know, lights, smoke show. Um, they were there. It's funny cause they're a small church for the most part, but like they, they really put a lot of time and money into the youth group, which, uh, you know, for their numbers really paid off. I think, um, they, you know, were really exciting. It was like, Whoa, there's music here. And it's like really cool and upbeat. And there's a lot of people my age cause <laughs> at the, church in Aspen. It's just like the youngest person there besides me was my parents and they were in their forties. Oh, wow. um, were people speaking at that youth group with a lot more excitement and energy than you were used to? Yeah. And, and this, uh, specific church, uh, I'll, I'll go pretty quick through it, the whole background on it, but this specific church was more like word of faithy. And I went to a men's conference with them in uh, Oklahoma with, um, Rama was like the, the Bible college. It's a pretty popular one for like the word of faith movement and, uh, you know, started like seeing more of the red flags there, you know, and they're, they're people like they would have, do you know who Jesse Duplantis is? He got in a lot of trouble. To, uh, he was the dude that said that he needed a private jet oh, because wow. there, he was talking to Kenneth Copeland and yeah. they're like, there are demons on the regular plane. I can't prepare <laughs> a sermon. <laughs> I need a private jet. But he came, he showed up there a lot, like for a small church, uh, in the mountains, it was like pretty high profile, like word of faith teachers would show up. Yeah. So I started recognizing these signs and, I remember kind of getting burned by their youth leader. I, I went and like got a girlfriend for two weeks and didn't go. And then I showed up again and I was like stonewalled. Basically that was the same church. I had that weird experience just kind of getting shut down hmm. in the small group, just like some weird stuff, like didn't really sit well with me. So I like moved on, stopped going there, but the church that connected to my high school, I went to a small little Christian school in the, in the Valley there, the Aspen Valley area. And that church was more aligned to like Bethel church. So the first uh, things that I noticed were like, Oh, this isn't, you know, word of faithy. It's, you know, not this same experience that I was having over there. And I think one of the things that I've noticed in my experience is 
I, I think that I've had to do a lot of the like recognizing the flags on my own. I don't think I've really had anybody other than Ponch to like bounce ideas off of with that. And, you know, I just kind of thought that that was what church was like right outside of my parents' church, which, you know, to me was like, no, I don't really want to go there. It's kind mm. of boring. Like it's either liturgical or it's way off the rails. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just like, it's either this or this is the other type of church. So I don't know what's going on. I have a question. Yeah. Did you initially think that your parents' church had lost its way or I didn't. I don't think I ever thought that uh, it lost its way, but I did think that they were like less spirit filled, mm, Yeah, which was kind of a lot of the ideology that was coming out of the first church I was going to there with, with Ponch. I definitely felt um, that after YWAM too. I was like, none of these people I grew up with actually know God. They yeah. haven't seen these crazy things. <laughs> and they're not yelling amen in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> yeah. And they're not dancing around during worship. Yeah. And- they're not running around the room. So I remember getting involved in this other church. And I will say it was like a lot more of like a, uh, you know, down to earth church overall. Like the people were all really normal feeling, right? The youth pastor there, he was not as involved in a lot of the Bethel theology. He was just very like, you know, charismatic in general. Um, and he became a good mentor of mine. And I think for him, he was willing to kind of look past some of that stuff and say, you know, that that's happening here, but you know, God is greater than that. So I'll stay involved and, you know, keep doing this here. So as I grew up in that church, I remember doing different events. So one of the events we did was like a healing night, like a learn how to heal night. Some dude from Bethel came out and they were like a Bethel, like partner church, or like network church, I guess. So like Bethel people would come through different people that would have taught at the school probably. Or And those are always interesting. I've been to there. a few of those because it's, it's, I want to say it's kind of sad because there's all these people with medical conditions or with certain things mm-hmm. and they show up because they want to be healed. Yeah. Like I, I would, for example, go for my sinuses and be like, oh, maybe tonight's the night that finally I'll stop having sinus issues. And then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it stinks. <laughs> well, I remember there was a guy at the first one I went to, and I think it was like one of the only ones I went to because I was like, this is really awkward. And it was like 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Super late, especially for a little high schooler. I was like, uh, it just didn't work for me. But this guy had legitimately had like different length legs. Like legitimately, he wore a a lift in his boot. Mm -hmm. And I remember like everybody else, you know, people would like pray around the room and people would be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting healed. And there was this lady with cancer there. And uh, there was this dude with this short leg. And I remember everybody was circled around this dude, like praying over his leg and he would like stand up and he'd be like, no, it's not different. You know, <laughs> sit down, everybody keeps praying. And then he like stands up and he's like, eh, it's not different. And then, you know, everybody kind of feels this sense of like, well, maybe my faith can do it for him. Or like, you know, you can see people like I'll take the prayer and they like, they get in and they start going on this really long winded, like intense prayer. And the guy stands up and he's like, oh, it's still (laughs) wrong size, you know. It's rough when Um, you get the guy who's like, we'll be here all night until God answers this prayer. (laughs) Bro, they prayed over this dude for two hours. Yeah. I kid you not. At what point do they like give up? (laughs) Yeah, I left before they were done. (laughs) I kid you not, bro. So at that point, I wonder if their mindset is, I want God to do what I I want. Well, I, I think that that's a big key piece of it, which I think you touched on as this 
like using God as like a party trick thing. Yeah. Like you're like the genie in the bottle. You rub the yeah. bottle or you, you rub the lantern. The genie pops out, does the magic wishes, goes back in the lantern. Kind of the opposite of the Lord's prayer. If you think about it. Yeah. Like my will, will be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my will That's be done. A good point. Um, they, uh, often would use the Lord's prayers like your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So it was like the, the perfected world. Right. So I came out of that church and uh, you know, some other stuff. I remember going to like a fasting thing at the Carter Springs YWAM for this guy, Lou Engel. Oh yeah. Big like, the fasting way. guy. Yeah. The way it was the call as what I think they did the way and then the call. And then there's, then now, now there's the send. Yeah. And he was like way doing call this send. three day fa- like prayer and fasting thing. And I was getting pretty disenfranchised at that point. Um, you know, obviously just for the sake of time, I won't go through a lot of my journey at that period of, of, of my life, but I would like go and get Chick-fil-A and not, not fast. <laughs> but I remember like watching this lady in the corner, like convulsing and screaming on the floor like she was like convulsing uncontrollably and screaming like slain in um, the spirit yeah well that's what they said but yeah. i was like that just looks odd and then she i just has mental um, health condition <laughs> well, <laughs> well that, <laughs> that gets into another thing which is like the um kundalini is like a hindu sort of type of yoga it it is a form of like it's really weird basically you like work yourself up into a state of hysteria and you start like hallucinating well, Bethel has that same thing. Like you'll see videos of people. And uh, also, you know, I saw a lot of it in these different circles. And I just started thinking like, there's no way that this can be like what Christianity is. I'm reading the Bible. Like I'm not seeing people like writhing around on the ground once they're Christians. You know, the people that are doing things uncontrollably are like, demon possessed and stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, that's a good point. So I get out of that, you know, and I, I go to college, I'm trying to like bring that, uh, you know, fire to my life in college. Right. Stay on that like high octane Christianity. Right. And, um, I remember getting involved with, um, the circuit riders is like the YWAM group. And I put on this, like carry the love event at CCU and the first year I did it, I remember I, I, I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be the best thing ever. They come. It's like a worship night thing. Turns into like way too long of a worship night. So CCU like shut it down. They all run out and they're like baptizing people in the goose poop, like CCU pond. Ew. <laughs> Which granted, I mean, in the moment, it actually seemed kind of cool. Looking back at a lot of it, you know, that movement it was interesting interacting with a lot of the leaders. Cause I got like a day or two to interact with them here and there. And I kept in touch with them, uh, during like a few years at CCU here and there would like speak with them. And they tried to kind of keep me to keep putting on the event, you know, for them. And like, as I was a part of this movement or like, I guess seeing their movement, um, I started realizing like that it just was all very, very like, I don't want to say manipulative, but kind of manipulative, right? I started seeing these manipulative practices where it's like you sort of work people into a state of like euphoria, right? And at that point, you can almost really say anything. You know, I, I've seen it uh, time and again, but just like healing prayers or praying for people like in the hallways and stuff, like after the event and the people that had like actual medical issues that just aren't getting healed, right? And mm-hmm. there's the whole like we claim it, we declare it. No, I think that uh, it's just really interesting to hear a lot of other 
people's perspectives that have come through it. And I probably did what you did too, which was as I was studying theology, cause I was studying theology, which was another big reason I was like, wow, this is so sketchy and <laughs> started coming to like these realizations. I, I kind of swung to the, like, I would rather, I would like prefer to be like a five hard five point Calvinist cessationist. Like I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, have actually slowly come back to, you know, I think, a there is probably a healthy charisma that could be had in the church. I don't think it looks like that, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely safe to say, you know, and even if we look biblically, like these things still happen, miracles do happen in the world, you know, unexplained things that are the Lord working. And, uh, it's like one of those things that you kind of have to go too far from to like come back a little bit to the healthier perspective of. Mm-hmm. Um, so something you said that it, it mirrors my Bethel experience very mm-hmm. much is that these people that were really riled up from whether it was the worship service or like, you know, things that were being said or the type of worship that it was, whatever it was, they do things where it's like, I'm going to do this God thing and then just go the other direction which is so contrary to like discipleship, which Mm -hmm. is remaining, which is staying, which is continually building somebody up and growing them. Mm -hmm. And that is in a nutshell why I think Bethel can be harmful. And I don't know if you feel this way about YWAM, but if Bethel gives people an inaccurate picture of what ministry should be like, maybe YWAM gives an inaccurate picture of what missions is like. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'd say that seems right. I think the thing that I always tell people is I'm really glad I went to YWAM and saw the spirit side of things, like Hmm. the spirit-filledness, the power of God, the presence of God. But then right from YWAM, I went to Moody Bible Institute, which has a lot of like full-on cessationist professors But they're all about the scripture and the authority of scripture and Mm -hmm. learning about it, the context, the history, the theology, the philosophy. And so I always say in John 4, 24, Jesus says, worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. And so I say I got the spirit from YWAM and the truth from Moody, and they kind (laughs) of balanced me out. And if I had just gone to Moody, I would have been like a dry, rigid theology guy. Kind of crunchy. Yeah. But if I had just gone to YWAM, that was my whole christian experience Mm. then it would have been like this off the rails you know borderline i feel like a lot of if you have all spirit and no truth you can end up as a cult real fast like Mm -hmm. if you have no possibly no guidelines possibly yes you could so but if you have all truth and no spirit it's just a dry dead thing that's not going anywhere so Mm -hmm. um so that's why jesus says you need them both the spirit and the truth and so i'm glad i got both and now i'm at denver seminary which is really good and i'd say Mm -hmm. it's really balanced feeling obviously more on the academic side because it is a school but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i think that's a really good uh you know question and point matt it's difficult to like I think as an institution, right, Bethel can be very dangerous. And I've been the person that was like, yeah, let's pray for your, you know, severe depression and anxiety and it'll like to go away, you know, and then like 
you pray for somebody, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen. They're still depressed and you're like, Oh no, I don't have enough faith or maybe they don't have enough faith. Right. And you kind of like, you go through these experiences. I think that, uh, what is it? There's a show that I listen to cultish, uh, and they, they have a good line, like bad theology hurts people. Oh I yeah. My professors always say that. Yeah. I think naturally bad theology, like really deteriorates and harms people. Mm-hmm. And so while I would say that I don't think that they're not Christians, I think they are Christians. I think the YWAM, you know, has a lot of people that are, you know, true Orthodox, like believers by definition, it can inherently hurt people if it's gone unchecked. Right. Um, and if I could yeah. leave anybody with a resource, it's actually that podcast, which mm. is cultish. There is a two or three episode series that they talk about Bethel. I believe it's called defecting from Bethel. Hmm. And it's a, it's a lady who went there and left in a very graceful way, but not before she had many at length conversations with leaders, with staff at this school. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend listening to that. I watch that. They're very gracious. And I think they do a good job of like balancing what's, what's actually going on with like, okay, how can we be, you know, charitable and realistic here too? I only have one more question. Who sprinkles the gold dust from the ceiling in Bethel? Dude, I don't know. Maybe you go on Amazon, you find a fog machine, but you just put glitter in it instead. I don't know. (laughs) Do you think there's, they actually, do do they make the interns hide up in the, in the rafters? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just the sweat beads under the light. Yeah. (laughs) The gold. Wow. There's gold falling on our table. Look at oh, that. Oh, dude, look, my hands are glistening. Oh, wait, that's just sweat on my hands. Oh, wait, that's just... Tucker oh, that's juice. my golden ring. <laughs> <laughs> what? AKA sweat. Tucker juice? Yeah, you know. Fluid. I'm excreting some Tucker juice fluid. <laughs> that means the Holy Spirit's here. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> I've heard stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, except they were serious. <laughs> Yeah, true. Um, no, seriously. Thanks again to Matt for being here. Honestly, yeah, we should. Awesome. I feel like we could have another conversation on the same topic. Yeah, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who have you know gone through the same thing and had quite, or maybe even like walked away from Christianity because it's like, oh my gosh, I was forced to speak in tongues, or I saw these mm. misuses of things, and and then okay, I have one last ultra quick point which I was gonna bring up earlier but couldn't jump in in time. Which is just because people believe in the triune God and the atonement of Jesus doesn't mean there aren't a million other places where they could go wrong later mm. on down the line. Like that's – to me, that's not a sign of a good church. Yeah. Oh, they believe in the Trinity and, and the divinity of Jesus. Therefore, <laughs> they can't do anything <laughs> wrong, right? Yeah. Um, that's the starting place, but that's not a uh, – that's not all there is to being a Christian. You know, there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch mm-hmm. of other places you could go wrong. And Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to accuse anyone of being a cult, period. But, you know, I, we do want to call them brothers and sisters, but you do also want to criticize things that are unhealthy or toxic. I think it's right to critique the body itself, and especially in the area of doctrine. If if a church is, like, bringing people away from true doctrine, even mm-hmm. though they might all say, yes, I'm a Trinitarian, I believe in, you know, the divinity and the humanity of Christ, I, you know, accept, uh, name your, you know, uh, creed. And uh, I'm a rendition. trillionaire. <laughs> um, I think that uh, they can still lead people 
astray. So I think that there mm-hmm. generally have to be checks and yeah. balances in place. And that, and that, that would be sound doctrine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should definitely do a part two if you're down, Matt. Sure. To like a, I, I could give a little bit more at a couple points I've, I, w- I really wanted to hammer on. Yeah, we're just way um, over time. We're just so super far over. All the people who are <laughs> driving and who've been sitting in their driveway because they were listening to this on their commute home and they want to finish the episode. Well, don't do that. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, it was a really good talk. So thanks again, Matt, for coming on with us. Absolutely. That thanks for really, having me. Yeah, thanks for sharing your, your experience. And I think that that was my goal for this, just to like start start a cool conversation, get some experiences out of yeah. the way, and then maybe we can dive into something deeper on it next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Get into some of the more some of the theology behind it or beneath it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so thank you all for listening. This is the Attractive Christians Podcast. I'm Ethan Renault. I'm Tucker Lamping. And I'm Matt Larson. And we had Krista Baker in the studio with us. And also shout out Jules, Mark, and Annie, our attractive producers. We um, call uh, we call our listeners attractives and models. And Perry's. <laughs> we won't get into that explanation. Maybe off the pod. <laughs> um, so thank you all for listening. Send us a Gmail. Oh, we forgot. Man, a whole bunch of people Gmailed us this week. Yeah. Let's we address those Gmails. next week. Yeah. We got to hit those and not just let them drift away. You can send <laughs> us a Gmail and we will read it on air. Eventually. We respond too. Yeah, we respond and read them on air. So um, yeah, tell your friends about the podcast and win a bunch of free stuff. And by free stuff, I mean free Air 5s from Colorado. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.